right, welcome back to Because of This and That. I am joined today by Adam. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Adam Cardenas Sisk. Um, I've known Heather for quite a while. Yeah, um, I don't know how long. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few years now. Um, and so she's definitely heard a whole bunch about my animal exploits and things like that. But for yeah. those who may not know me, um, I'm a graduate student at UMKC. And I'm also a zookeeper. So I've got two sides to this. Those don't over, often overlap. but <laughs> No, not typically. But it, yeah. That's 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 who uh, who I and identify as right now. There you go, a grad student and a zookeeper. Yeah. So, um, so today's topic is talking about animalia, the whole the whole uh, kingdom section. So, um, all animals, all animals welcome. And so, I wanted to start with both of us, um, kind of talking a little bit about our our experiences as children with animals, mm-hmm. and kind of you know what first drew you into wanting to follow the. Um, career path that you're that you're on at this point Mm -hmm. so yeah what were what are some of your memorable moments um for for animal experiences yeah um i mean honestly ever since since i can remember um animals have just kind of been an interest of mine and i would say it's probably due to my mom the way Mm -hmm. she raised me um uh, she always had me outside, you know, we were always uh-huh. doing things outside and not like we lived in Southwest Missouri, not in like a super small town, but a small city. There was plenty to do that was outside. We had a, the nature center mm-hmm. and we had the zoo and we had like this a local aquarium, Wonders of Wildlife, wow. Bass Pro, you know, so we were always doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, um, she had cats mm-hmm. before she had me. So there were <laughs> animals in the house. Uh and when we go outside, we'd be outside, we'd go to the zoo. I was just seeing animals. We'd mm-hmm. have, you know, in addition to cartoons, I also watched Animal Planet a lot mm-hmm. growing up. So it was mm-hmm. just an interest I had from the beginning. And I can say that, like, being a zookeeper was the first thing I ever said I wanted to be when I grew up. You know what I yeah. mean? Like when I was little, in kindergarten, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd say zookeeper. <laughs> um, it changed throughout the years, but I, right. I, that was the... That was the first thing. That for was sure. kind of the foundation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, I had sort of a similar but different story. I grew up in the middle of absolutely nowhere in central New York, mm-hmm. um, in dairy country, um, and we grew up on a small farm. We had goats, we had chickens, we had a couple of dogs. Wow. Uh, so we were very. It's very much part of the community, um, farming and raising animals and mm. and doing that work. So that was a big influence on me. Um, I think especially too, like when you grow up in a farm community, you learn some of the the harder lessons of 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 animal husbandry really early. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's that was you know I have memories. I I've eaten stuff that I've named and that I've seen born. Oh no, <laughs> uh-huh. that's crazy. Which is super traumatic as yeah. a kid. My <laughs> my mom used to lie to me and 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 like tell us it was it was something else. That's crazy. Um, but but goat has a pretty particular flavor. It is it's yeah. not lamb and it's not. I mean, she I'm sure she could have snuck the chickens by us. Yeah, definitely. But oh, uh, no. we didn't name the chickens. So. Oh no. <laughs> so yeah, that was. You kind of growing up under those circumstances, um, you know, and hunting is also a big thing in our community when deer season and stuff is out and you get, you get like everybody, if, if somebody got, um, 
got a deer, everybody in the community would get venison. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of sharing and that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my introduction was like really being hands on with breeding goats, with raising baby chicks, with raising baby goats all the way, you know, all the way through until we either kept them or we didn't oh no so yeah that <laughs> that's was pretty cool though it, it was it was definitely really i value that experience a lot more as an adult than i did yeah. as, than i did as a child <laughs> as a kid i was pretty traumatized yeah. but uh but but yeah so that's really interesting because you i mean your experience then was a lot more i guess structured is that the word for it like you were going more to places where these events and these things were happening and there was yeah. you know there was like you'd go to the little aquarium or you'd go to the mm-hmm. zoo or you'd like go out and do something that like kind of already existed. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, so that just kind of like grabbed my, my mm-hmm. interest. Um, yeah. So like all of my toys were animals or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I still had a little, a little experience with sure caring for them. Yeah. Um, while it wasn't like a farm or anything. Right. Every neighborhood's gonna have like a problem with stray cats, you know. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so I guess one experience that sticks out is we had um, one day. I mean, cats would just show up in the neighborhood mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes people would keep them, or they, you know, yeah. move through the neighborhood on their way. But one day, this um, cat showed up at our back door, and she was just looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, we went out and met her. She's really sweet, really nice cat, and then. We look at her and she's pregnant. Mm. And I notice a stray cat that's pregnant. Call the Humane Society. And they're like, if she's pregnant, we'll have to put her down. If she has the kittens already, we'll right. keep them. But if she's right. pregnant, we'll just go ahead and put her down. Yeah. Like, we can't we can't do that. Yeah. Um, so we ended up just keeping her around. Mm. Let her do her thing around our house. Mm-hmm. And she ended up having her kittens in our garage. Mm. So, and I was seven years old for that. Wow. Yeah, so I remember coming home from school one day, and she had just had the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, placenta was still there and everything. I had right. to watch her eat it. Uh-huh. So I didn't eat anything crazy, but I had to watch animals <laughs> eat crazy stuff. Yeah, um, that's that's still a, you know, anytime, yeah. anytime there's there's blood involved. <laughs> yes, I a... yeah, I accidentally picked up that kitten. That's how I discovered it. I picked it up, mm-hmm. the placenta fell off, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Like, I broke it? Yes. <laughs> But, uh, so those kittens were born in our garage. We helped raise them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were four of them, two girls, two boys. Mm. We ended up finding homes for the two girls, and we still have two boys today. Wow. Their 16th birthday was this week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're still going. Those are some, those are some long-lived cats. That's, yeah. uh, that's impressive. I know. That's impressive. Yeah, and they're yeah. not, um, uh, they're not my first ones either. I've got another one. She's 18. Wow. Sure, she will be 18 in a couple months. Wow. She w- I got her right before kindergarten and she was there for my college graduation. So she's she's going strong. So What are you feeding those cats? The regular stuff. I don't know. I don't know what it is. You're like the, it's like the cat whisper, whisperer family like I you guess, just suddenly yeah. have, so somehow get them to yeah. to have a long life. Yeah. And the two boys they're indoor outdoor cats mm. which uh, I don't condone now being older and understanding mm-hmm. that outdoor cats uh, are not good for the environment. But I was seven years old when they were born. I didn't sure. have a say in how they were raised that way. Right. I didn't know right. the, the effects. Yeah. So 
they would come in and out of our garage sometimes. We've got cat food in there. Mm-hmm. So not only do we have cats coming in and out of our garage, but we've got the local wildlife. I can't mm. tell you how many possums, raccoons, mm. and skunks have made their way in and out of our garage that I had to see um, as well. So the animals were around, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you have any... Um, well, see, now I have multiple questions. No, that's all right. <laughs> One question was, did you, did you spay and neuter all your cats? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. All the animals, for sure. Because um, uh, yeah. speaking of effects, wild cats can have on the environment. Yes. Um, so yeah, and my and my other question is, you know, you talk about kind of all the wildlife coming through. Did you have any altercations with them? Did you have any ever have any like rabid animals? Nah, never a problem. Well, the only problems would be with other stray cats. Ah, our boys, mm. they are really they're nice. They're welcoming cats. Right. They'll let the other cats come through and yeah. eat their food. They'll share, but other cats come in and are like, oh, right. "This needs to be mine." So yeah, trying to take um, over. Yeah, we've had to capture two cats that kept fighting and relocate them far mm. away so they wouldn't come back because it was yeah. getting to a point where they were, our boys weren't winning those fights. Mm. Um, so they were and they were showing the scars. Yeah, and the, yeah. those are vet bills, unnecessary yeah. vet bills. So yeah. there, there came a point where and, we and psychological to damage to your to your cats. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they don't deserve that. That's their home. They can't get kicked right. out. You know, right? It's their territory. Yeah, yeah. But never anything with wildlife. You know, they didn't yeah. care about the other stuff. Um, it's like the Shangri La home for animals right now. Yeah, because like really. I'm thinking about in my childhood, we had. We had rabid raccoons for, Ooh. I don't know, I, we had problems with them, I think, for almost a decade. Mm-hmm. And there are some wild stories that come with them. The the Probably the craziest one was my mom came home one afternoon at, after, like, running errands or whatever. And she heard this, like, scratching upstairs in the bathroom. She was like, there's no one else home. Yeah. The, the dogs were, like, stuck on either side of her, which was also weird. Like, they wouldn't leave her side. They came down. They were outside when she got there and, like, stuck right by her. And they have, like, they have a little run and a dog door so they could go in and out whenever they wanted. And she walked upstairs, pulled back the curtain of the, of the shower, looked in the tub, and there was a raccoon. Oh. <laughs> and it was rabid. Oh, no. So she went back down, or went into my dad's room, grabbed the the shotgun, and had to, like, basically use the barrel of the shotgun to coax the raccoon out of the bathtub and back down outside. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, like, I... Yeah, that's probably the craziest rabid raccoon story. Although there there are the, several. One of many rabid raccoon stories. Yeah, yeah, I yeah that was that was really rough. I think it was almost like five or six years that they were just kind of everywhere. Um, Yikes! When I was probably ten ish, somewhere around there. So yeah, yeah, we definitely we're definitely the wilds. <laughs> Hey, that's okay. Yeah. Very, very different experiences. At um, least nothing like that. nobody was bit or anything. But that's no, why. no. Thankfully, none of the dogs ever got bit. Yeah. Um. So that's really good. One of my one of my schoolmates got got bit and had to have all the rabies shots. Oh no. So yeah, I I saw them both before and after, and they were just like this. That was really uncomfortable. It's like yeah. <laughs> no. It's a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, so. never have to go through anything like that. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a little that was a little nuts. Mm. So, 
Yeah, that's a little bit of a wild west. But yeah, it made me. I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a vet. Like that oh, was okay. my that was my thing. Um, much like you, I, I grew up on like like my equipment was like PBS. Yeah. So Chris and Martin Kratt. That was all the way back when they were still doing live TV, and then they did, like, Zaboomafu, and now yeah. they're doing, like, Wild Kratts, which is an animated series. I didn't know. I only knew Zaboomafu. I didn't know yep. all that. There was, a ser- there was a series before that, and the- and now they're still, they're still, I think they're still doing it. They were at least a few years ago. Wow. Uh, but it's animated now, because they're, <laughs> because okay. they're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you see them now, and I'm just like, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> That's my childhood that. right there. Yeah. I had such a crush on them when I was like 15 or whatever. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> like, oh, poor boys. Um, but they're they're still, yeah, they're still doing it. Mm. They're still uh, they're still doing that. Well, good so. for them. That's excellent. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, those were kind of my role models. And then, I don't know if you ever read, did you ever read the James Harriet books? No, I didn't. I loved those as a kid. He was um, a Scottish vet who actually worked in northern England in uh, Yorkshire. And he was working like, well, I mean, his career spans a long time, but I think he started just before World War One, and like, you know, kept going his entire life. So he did... You know, most of it was was farm animals, but that was the time period when, like, the small vet practice was growing, so he would have more and more experience with that. Hmm. And they're, they're just really, they're really well-written. They're, I mean, they're autobiographical, they're his stories, but they're really well-written stories, and they were part of what made me really, really want to be a vet, um, oh, cool. was hearing his, his experiences. Yeah. Even though, like, it wouldn't be relevant to my experiences Right, today. right. <laughs> That's all right. So... Um, so other than, uh, the cats, did you, Mm -hmm. did you keep any other pets or did you want to have any other pets? Yeah. Okay. I did. I always, we had a variety, um, just kind of what would, it was just all kind of random. We, various Mm -hmm. dogs showed up too. Um, (laughs) Again, like the Shangri-La of (laughs) of animals. They just know. (laughs) Animals would just show up. My mom would would say that a lot. Animals just show up. And she's always worried about looking like the crazy cat lady. Mm. Um, (laughs) Right. But, yeah, they would show up. We had dogs. um, And the first two dogs that showed up didn't work out. Um, Mm. They had to be rehomed. Uh, But we found, like, a good home, like a farm, where the guy's like, I need a dog companion for me when I go out. Yep. Fix the fences, and mm-hmm. this dog didn't like our cats. We're like, okay, that's right, right, yeah. Perfect. That's but then, sometimes a hard match to make. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the cats were already there. We're not gonna choose the dog right. over the they, cats. They get preference. Yeah, um, but then one dog, um, we just came home, and our friends said, our neighbors had found him, and he stuck. He was mm. super nice, super sweet, um, and we kept him. And he didn't, he didn't mind the cats. Mm. Um, he was less than a year old, but pretty well behaved and pretty clean. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, he, he has passed away at this point, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it was weird. He was younger than our cats, but he didn't make it quite as long. But yeah, he was a great dog. Uh, so we kept those dogs. Um, we had like gerbils and hamsters. You know, kids mm-hmm. go through their gerbils, hamster phase. Sure. Um, the cats did get two of them. I'll oh, admit yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh... Two out of four. They had a good run. Um, <laughs> we had fish. 
Um, the cats would bring us, you know, dead animals all the time. Of course. And you're like, oh, I didn't know we had those. It's like sacred gift to you. Yeah. <laughs> didn't know we had those in the neighborhood. Voles and mm-hmm. birds and snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, which that shows, like, you know, the damage that outdoor cats can have on the environment. But they yeah. don't do it as often anymore now that they're older. Right. Um, and uh, we had turtles, too. We had two box turtles mm. that showed up. And they lived in our backyard for a couple of years. Nice. Then they just kind of disappeared. They just wandered off one Yeah, day. I don't know if they where they went, because yeah. we didn't find anything. Right. It was just like one winter, they went into hibernation, and we never saw them again. Mm. So, um, But they were hanging around, you yeah. know. We just had was just animals yeah. in the area, right? So, yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, again, very impre- very impressive place, this meeting location of animals. Yeah. So pretty much all of ours are there on purpose. Yeah. Um, but, okay, so that brings me to a really interesting question. I always like to ask people um, what, like, what are your opinions on naming, like, naming pets, naming mm-hmm. animals? Because there are different kind of, like, routes people tend to go with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious what, what were some of your pet names and yeah. what, how do you feel about, <laughs> about naming pets? What should they be called? <laughs> okay. As I've gotten older, uh, my opinion has changed. Fair enough. I think you should go unique. I don't think you should do anything basic. I think All your right. pets should have unique names. All right. And I think like the funny abstract names you see on like adoption websites are really cool. So okay. we got to keep that up. Okay. But I will say when I got my cats, I was five. And seven years old. Sure. So their names are Fluffy, Pumpkin, and Tigger. All right. You know, like, Pumpkin and Tigger, they're orange, you know? And I was young. So, and my mom, what's she going to do? Say no? You right. Know, so. Just be like, that's not creative enough. Go yeah, on, five-year-old, exactly, get exactly, your act together. Exactly. And there's also, um, but I think if it's like, if you have a black and white dog or cat and you name them Oreo, you can try harder than that. You know what I mean? No hate or shades anyone who does that, but come on. Man. Like, you can be more creative than that. Or, like, you know, how many golden retrievers are named Murphy? Like, come on, man. We could do better. We could do better than that. <laughs> but, well, I can, I can, I can see you, um, not with a, not with a dog that was black and white, but we had a Holstein calf. Mm-hmm. Um, so black and, black and white calf, um. And we we named her Cookie, so we didn't even okay, make it to but Oreo. Cookie, yeah, but th- okay, but that I think that's better than than, than Oreo. Oreos is too much. I mean, I'm joking here too, but also no, I, no. that's my opinion. The more creative, right? Is cool. Like yeah. that's 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 the thing. This is why I love to have this conversation because yeah, people have yeah. opinions about that. I do want to shout out one of my friends. He's got two cats, and uh, their names are. John Spence, which is named after his best friend, mm. who's named his cat, his best friend's mm-hmm. name, and then he has another one named Fidel Catstro. Oh. And uh, so Fidel Very for clever. short. So just right. Fidel and John. And they're both girls. Oh, uh, so, all right, all right. So he did a great job naming his cats. Yeah, that, that, is, uh, that is very creative and yeah. very funky. And yeah, I think it's yeah. funny when people just, like, call their cats cat. I think that's just, like, a very Midwest thing. Like, you know, like, people, oh, yeah, that's cat. Or that's dog. You know, like, I think that's funny, too. Yeah, it's not creative, but at least it's it's funny. They're very honest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I could not come up with a name. Your name is what you are. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, we definitely, most of our, like, animal naming, um, which for us was the dogs. We had uh, some parakeets. I had a cockatiel for a while. Um, the goats got names, and then the Holstein calf, mm. and that was like all the things that we named. <laughs> we did not name the chickens. 
Oh, why um, was that? Well, chickens are evil. Yeah, birds are weird. Like, and, like, some birds are fine, but yeah. chickens in particular, like, they're definitely, like, tiny raptors. The T-Rexes, yeah. Right? Yeah, they're, they're these little, they're these, these little velociraptors. Yeah. And they're, they're terribly hierarchical in, in the way that they run their society. Oh, yeah. You know, this expression of pecking order is quite literal. If you're down the pecking order, you actually get pecked by those who are higher up the pecking order. Pun intended. Yeah, like, you know, it's a, it's a literal thing. And actually, that's not true. We did name one chicken. We named the chicken Penguin. Um, That's a good one. (laughs) Well, she had a congenital condition where she, like, her, like, her hips were kind of, like, displaced inward. So she sort of, like, waddled like a penguin. Like, she couldn't do the full range of motion that most chickens could. Mm -hmm. um, Which meant that she was a complete social outcast. And Mm -hmm. any time that our flock saw her, they would immediately, like, run over and peck her. Oh. So this is... You know, this is why. And, like, roosters will attack you. Not mm. all roosters, but, yeah, like, seen videos 50% like of them. Yeah. And they'll just, like, run at you and attack you, and you'll, like, boot them across the, the field, and they'll get up and shake themselves off and run right oh. back at you. <laughs> it just, I just, so, I, I have a hard time feeling bad for chickens or having any kind of, like, real emotional connection with them, mm. because they're just so mean. Um, but when we did name things, typically... Typically, they got people names mm-hmm. outside of Cookie, but, like, our dogs were, like, um, Tiffany and Samson, and, um, although the first dog that my parents had was named Rusty, because he was rust-colored. That was our neighbor's dog, like, right behind <laughs> us. It was Rusty. So. That's a good dog name. You know, it's, it's, it's solid. It's yeah. solid. <laughs> and then they called the one after that Tippy, which I don't know why. Yeah. But. But Samson and Tiffany were the ones, like, when I was, when I was growing up. And then the goats got all kinds of, of different names. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I, Again, my sister and I pretty much named them. Mm. So it was whatever the, you know, again, the five-year-old and the, like, ten-year-old could come up with. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, that was, it was good. It was good times. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of people names. I do. Yeah, they do work like, with animals pretty well. I do like a, a people name for that. Yeah, the dog we kept, his name was Marshall. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it <laughs> just, good. I just That's saw good. him and it fit, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I was 10, I could have gone with, like, Shiloh or something mm. cliche because he was a beagle, but mm-hmm. nah, I'm glad I picked There you go. the one, the not obvious one. Did you ever, you know, have any, and something happened with animals that you and your parents maybe didn't didn't necessarily agree on either something that you wanted to do that they didn't think was a good idea or something that you did that wasn't a great idea. <laughs> hmm. And you uh, can and you can think about that. I can go first because I I have this story like locked. It's one of my favorite animal stories. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything that I did that wasn't. I mean, I I kind of. I have a story that, of something that I, like, begged my mom to do, and she uh, didn't want to, but uh, it's a good story. It ends up, okay. like, in a right. positive way. Uh, that's that's uh, perfect. We'll take it. Yeah, so uh, it was, like, a, it was summertime, and I was at uh, daycare, mm. or, you know, just, like, summer daycare. Sure. Or yeah, while well, my mom worked, right. and uh, we went, they took us on a field trip to, like, this pool mm. behind, a, in, like, a summer club area. Mm-hmm. And as we were all leaving on the bus, I saw a tiny kitten, like, mm. wrapped up 
just abandoned yeah. on the corner of this concrete place. And we had to go back to the daycare. I had to be there a couple more hours right. before my mom came and picked me up. And I was just like, OMG, like, this cat's still there. And so right. when she got there, I was like begging her, mm. we have to go get this cat. And she's like, what are you talking about? Mm. She was like, it's going to be gone. It's been a couple hours. Right. And we went back there and it was still there in the same spot. Wow. And so we picked him up with a towel and uh, we he was covered in motor oil. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but we, we we brought him home. We called the vets, and they said, you can wash him with Dawn soap. Yep. Like Dawn soap, really, those Dawn, are not, that is not false advertising. Dawn, Dawn is the best yeah. stuff. Shout out to Dawn. We use that, we've used that at every You're animal facility. We're not sponsored by them, but yeah. I'd be happy to be sponsored by Exactly. <laughs> we use that at every animal facility I've worked at. Like, it, it is safe. Um, uh, and yeah, we used it to yeah. save, save this cat, and, uh. We saved his life. We gave yeah. it to one of our neighbors. Mm-hmm. We named him Radio. I thought that was a cool name for a cat. <laughs> yeah, that's a and, very cool uh, name for a cat. He, he had a great life with our neighbors. He passed away last year. Mm. Um, which also, he was younger than the cats I have now. I don't know these cats. I'm telling you, immortal. man. There's something yeah. magical about yeah. they've, they've got the elixir of life at, yeah. your, at your place. <laughs> but that was an early animal experience, too. Yeah. Of us, like, I guess, saving one. Not that we were some savior facility. No. Was, but, but it was something you stepped up and you yeah. and you were insistent on doing something. Yeah, and, but that was something that my mom was like, "Right, this is ridiculous. Right. Like, what are you right. talking about? That cat's gonna be gone. We yeah. can't." But she did it. So shout out yeah. to my mom too for yeah. for believing in that and going yeah. to do it. Yeah. Um, and thanks for the cat for staying there and not leaving, so I didn't look crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might have been hard to live down later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I like. So I have an special affinity for Dawn. Because it's produced by Procter and Gamble, which is the company that my dad worked for okay, um, cool. for for forty three years. Boom. So shout out to Dawn, big, big Procter family, and always always had Dawn. So yeah, that's a that's a good way to go. Um, yeah, mine involves tent caterpillars. Oh, <laughs> so I mean, I always liked animals, and I'm a big fan of mammals, but I really like things with exoskeletons. Like mm. this is this is my thing. Um, I like I I loved entomology crustaceans, anything with an exoskeleton. Yeah. So I, um, so I decided that I was going to collect some of the caterpillars that were climbing all over the trees because they were fascinating. And mm-hmm. I did so. And I put them in a jar with, you know, plenty of plant material and gave them air and everything and kept feeding them for like a month. All right. And this entire time, my mom was just like, they're, cat, they're tent caterpillars. Mm-hmm. They kill trees. They're evil. It's a terrible idea. Like, you can't have these in the house. Oh. <laughs> so, and I just blissfully ignored her. Um, so, uh, so I, about a month went by of, of feeding them. And then one night, I woke up to, like, stuff brushing by my face. Oh. And so, like, I woke up and, like, turned on the lights, and flying around my room were these two moths with, like, they have, like, death heads, like, black skull shapes on their um, wings. Oh, wow. Freaked me out so bad, but they, you know, they'd chrysalize, they'd hatch, and I knew, I knew they'd gone into their chrysalis form, but obviously I didn't know when they would hatch, mm. and I didn't realize they were moths. Um, this was pre-general availability of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so 
So yeah, they they hatched in the middle of the night and they crawled up and they ate through the like plastic wrap that was over the top of the container and got out Whoa. and were flying around the room. That's crazy. And, like, no wonder my... they kill trees. <laughs> they can eat through plastic. Oh yeah, they've got they've got crazy teeth. I mean the caterpillars are the ones that like eat trees because ten caterpillars will go through and they'll eat they'll eat leaves and they come in like huge swarms. Like you can look at a tree and see them moving in the top Ugh. of the tree. Yeah, they, like, cover the whole whole thing almost. Oh, no. And they build, um, they have silk, and so they'll, you know, they'll attach the silk at the top of one branch, and they'll kind of, like, bungee down to the next branch and start eating those leaves. So they make these, like, tent shapes as, like, multiple of them will move from one branch to the next. And, yeah, they can they can strip, like probably 25% of the leaves off the trees, so they can actually, you know, um, severely damage or kill the trees. Um, so they are, they are an environmental disaster in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, my mother showed up with these moths flapping around my head, and she just looked at me, and she was just like, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, fine. I regret nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's an experience. You learn something, yep. I guess. Yeah. I learned a lot about 10 cal- caterpillars. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's move on to kind of later in your, in your experiences. You know, you had, you had this, this dream of a career as a, as a kid mm. and you didn't let go of it. Nobody talked you out of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> apparently. So what did, what did that like look like for you kind of getting into choosing your education and choosing like how you were going to follow this career? Yeah. Well, um, I'll be honest, like as I got older in, um, became a teenager mm-hmm. I kind of lost t- touch with a lot of my interests sure and not even just animals you know well, star welcome wars welcome to being a teenager <laughs> yeah like star wars and all that too you're just those things in the past right. that you leave behind because you know i'm 13 and i think i'm i gotta be more mature now mm-hmm. um, you're too cool for that exactly it's the classic teenager excuse yeah exactly so i would say through you know middle school and high school um i was thinking about other things um mm-hmm. I kind of had, you know, I still liked animals. I still had my pets and loved them. Um, you know, animals would still be around. But I kind of, I maybe wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to be a zookeeper right. at that point. Right. Um, but when, and so I, I went to college on thinking Spanish and film studies, maybe theater. That's mm. what I was into at the time. Um, and throughout, and it was my first year of college that I realized, okay, Maybe I don't want a theater degree. I still like it, but maybe that's just a hobby. Sure. Okay, maybe my heart's not in film studies. Um, Maybe I can just get a minor in communications. I found my heart is in language Mm. um, and Spanish and things like that. But then I also started to reconnect with the animal side of things. I don't know. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I just... You didn't have like a eureka moment? Where no, you I didn't. Like, I didn't have a eureka. I think oh. I was just, you know, on social media and I found some pages mm. that were like, oh, this. Well, maybe there was something. And it goes back to that aquarium we go to in Springfield. Yeah. It's called Wonders of Wildlife. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be one of the best aquariums in the country. Um, and it's owned by the Bass Pro people. Gotcha. I used to go there all the time when I was a kid. Right. But I think in 2007, it closed for mm. remodeling. And it didn't reopen for 10 years. Wow, that's a lot of remodeling. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I was 
probably eight or nine mm-hmm. the last time I went there. And then the next time I was able to go, I was 19. So maybe that contributes to my like teenager growth away from animals. I couldn't go to one of my favorite places. Um, yeah. But I got before a week before it opened. I got a behind the scenes tour because Ooh. I just knew the person whose dad was like the head of construction, and so he brought me in and he showed me, and I was like, "Oh, that's crazy!" So I got a whole behind the scenes tour of that the new aquarium, what it was gonna look like, mm-hmm. and then I went back, and I think I was like, "Wow, I kind of missed going to places like this." Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend who volunteered at, um, an animal shelter. One of my best friends, he volunteered at an animal shelter, like every week through high school, just Mm -hmm. for like volunteer hours, community service. And during my first semester of college, I kind of, we, we had shared videos on social media about animals and wildlife stuff. Right. I kind of, I asked him, I was like, what if we found a place and I volunteered with some animals? And he was like, yeah, we should we should do that. We should do that. Right. And that's uh, where we found the National Tiger Sanctuary in Branson, Missouri, mm. which I had been to before because it was okay. it's only like 30 minutes. It's in between Branson and my hometown. It's only like 30 minutes from there. Right. I had been there as like, you know, when I was younger and I looked at the website with my friend. And like, oh, you can volunteer. Hmm. And so. The plot thickens. Yeah. And so I went there and asked them like what's the volunteer stuff and they just said just fill out this paperwork and right you can do it i'm like it's really that easy like (laughs) it's like volunteering in an animal shelter apparently that's yeah (laughs) and it was very easy i'll say a lot easier than trying to volunteer at a big zoo Mm. way easier than that and maybe it's because they're a smaller facility right they can use the help a zoo may not need volunteer help as badly as right this um a smaller sanctuary and so we did that. We volunteered for a whole summer. We went every Saturday, Sunday for the whole summer. And that was like the like reunion moment, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like bring it back to, yeah, that, that aquarium opened right before my first semester of college. I was yep. like, oh, this reminds me of my childhood. Yeah. Um, went to college and found out, okay, maybe theater and film aren't what I want, like my life. Um, they're just, you know, things I really enjoy as hobbies. Sure. Talk to my friend. We're like, let's, let's try this again. And so that brought me back to my interest in animals. It also brought me to the National Tiger Sanctuary, which would become a very important place for me too. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen, there's kind of one iconic picture that you, that I've seen of you in, in that space. Yeah. And you were just like lit up. Yeah. That is a very, very special place to me. Um, and just the energy there, not even just like, oh, I love that place. Just like you walk in, you walk through the doors. It's, I don't know, even working there, spending so much time there. I'm like, this is this. You still get that charge every time. This piece of land just has something to it. I don't know what it is, but it's pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a special place for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about it more, but all listeners, please. Like, visit the National Tiger Sanctuary if you can. Just it's go. an incredible place. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's... And spend all your money there. It's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. And you'll think so after you go. You won't get there and be disappointed either. I, that's... That's... Yeah. That's an amazing statement. I will admit that I have not gone yet. So that's... That's all right. So yeah. Emphasis for me to get my act together. Yeah. <laughs> and do that. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. I guess... 
my yeah, my experiences were um, a little bit different because I wanted to be like I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a vet all the way until like basically when I started high school, sometime around in there. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't remember who told me this. It might have been my dad, um, but somebody said to me, "You're a white female." everybody applying to vet school is a white female and the competition to get into vet school is much higher than it is to get to med school because oh. there's fewer of them so you know they said like you're gonna need a straight 4-0 you're gonna need to go to a really competitive undergrad you're gonna need to do like a ton of you know a ton of shadowing and everything else but everybody that applies is gonna be like that mm -hmm. and so i really had to I really had to assess how important being a vet was to me yeah. um, in that moment because it was going to mean that that was my only focus, you know, for the next, you know, four or five years to get, well, at that point, like eight years, right, high school, and then you have to get, do well in high school to get into undergrad and then do really well in undergrad and then do really well in vet school and, like, you know, at, at whatever I was at that point, probably like 15 years old. I was like, that's a long haul mm. to try to do that. Um, and I knew, I knew I could do it, but I started to be like, eh, maybe, maybe there's something else that I could do that would be fulfilling that wouldn't, yeah. that wouldn't do, um, that wouldn't be like that. So, um, so I went to school for, I went to undergrad for biology, which was always my, still my intent. Like I still love the biological sciences and wanted to do that. Um, and actually got involved in, uh, got interested in evolution. Like that's one of my in enduring passions is, you know, when I look at animals, I don't just see them as an individual or them as a species. My brain was always wondering like, kind of why are they the way that they are? Mm -hmm. And that secret of course is, is in evolution and mm -hmm. in their, their path to becoming the, the species that they are. Um, so I got really interested in evolution and genetics and ended up doing research in molecular evolution. Wow. So that was really cool. And the, the animal connection for me that stayed strong in that research project was that we were looking at the evolution of, of HIV, hmm. um, which was transferred from hu uh, transferred into humans from simians, so from apes. So there's this thing called simian immunodeficiency virus, SIV, that that is a close you know, very similar genetically to HIV. And the way that it interacts, though, with chimpanzees and um, sooty mangabee is the other one that has, that's actually transferred into humans, is very different. So that they don't tend to get, like, an AIDS-type disease. Like, they mm. don't tend to get sick from the virus, even though they carry high viral loads in their blood. Oh. Um, and, some of, and some species and some groups can actually clear the virus as well. So that's what we were studying. We were studying basically what was unique about those species and the way that their bodies were interacting with the virus that meant that they weren't getting sick because then that gives us drug targets for, um, for the pharmaceuticals, for working with humans um, to, try to, to try to attack those pathways that, you know, that the virus is trying to use to get in, but maybe we can stop it from studying, um, from studying apes. So our lab was just filled with pictures of apes and um 
there were, I never saw them, but I was told repeatedly that there were like gorilla heads and stuff oh, in freezers. Nah. <laughs> because there had to be, you know, there had to be some place where we were getting the original genetic material to do the sequencing that we were doing. Most of what we do is doing is PCR sequencing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I guess those were left over like way before my time of doing research. There was no live animals um, certainly no live primates in, um, in our labs, um, or on the labs on campus. Those have been taken from, I don't know where, mm -hmm. and I don't know when, probably, probably in like the nineties would be my guess. Like yeah. it was a long time before I even showed up there that they, that they did that. Um, but yeah, we ran DNA samples and, and tried to figure out, you know, what was, what was going on between the interaction of the virus and, and those primates. Um, so, and we found some stuff. Cool. Our, our lab found a bunch of stuff while I was there that was, that was really, you know, that was different and new and hadn't been discovered before. Yeah. So that was, that was really, that was really nice and kind of kept me in touch with, with the animal connection. Yeah. That's, and then also on the science side. Yep. Since it wasn't the vet path. That's really interesting. Yep. Yeah. So, Yeah. So talk a little bit about like some of your earliest experiences working with like tigers and other, you know, large non-traditional non yeah. pet <laughs> animals. Did you have any surprises? Like what was that? What was that like? Man, it was, um, it was an interesting, I guess, first experience working with animals mm. was being at a sanctuary. Um, it was called the National Tiger Sanctuary, but really it's a sanctuary for all animals but the okay. majority of the animals there are tigers sure uh, but there's other big cats um there's lions mountain lions and leopards when i was there they had horses a pig some foxes lemurs a monkey um a llama and some wolf dog hybrids Thanks. yeah okay. a whole bunch of them okay um so it really was a true a true sanctuary and they were all rescues they were former pets mm -hmm. that were relinquished or from the entertainment industry, so magic shows, right. or um, people who would rent out cats sure. to magic shows. And being close to Branson, a very big entertainment hub, you know, a lot of those cats came from places where you likely could have seen them in a show. You know? Right. Um, but so I volunteered there for a whole summer, and then for the next summer, I applied to be an intern. Um, and they, they were very. It was it was just an overall great experience as an intern they really worked fast with you. They were like, mm -hmm. okay, you learned this, we're going to, but you're going to move up. Um, you're going to, by the end of the summer, you will have done everything that an employee does, um, which was great. And so it involved, um, by the end of it, feeding big cats, giving them medication, giving them enrichment, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, just like different things to stimulate their environment. Right, keep their uh, brains active. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, cleaning the habitats. And then, so there were two sides of it. There's animal care, which would involve all of that. Right. And then there was uh, the tour side, which is how they would make their money. Sure. Um, and so that's a guided tour where I'm telling the guests about the different animals and their uh, history, and then also feeding the animals too, like giving them a snack. Sure. So they have an incentive to come up to see um, the animals. But of course, or yeah, so the animals have an incentive to come up right. so people can see them. Right. Um, otherwise they don't want to deal with the humans. Exactly. And you know, the animals also didn't have to, they had an option not to come up if they didn't want to. Sure. Um, and 
a lot, every animal was on display. There were a bunch mm-hmm. that were, okay, you're in the retirement center because you don't like people. Right. Um, but just being that close to such, I don't know, incredible animals was, was wild. Um, <laughs> well, that's why they use that word, huh? Yeah, right. Yeah, I guess so. And they, um, I guess something surprising would be, you know, your household cats and big cats are very similar mm-hmm. in their mannerisms, the way they behave. Yep. I mean, just when your cat, you know, bites you out of nowhere, sure, it just hurts a little bit. Yeah. Even though they're playing, you right. know, a tiger or lion could do the same thing. They're just playing, but right. that's a fatal blow. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a chunk out of your arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's also crazy just to see how happy some of the animals were. You know, a lot of people complain about, oh, they shouldn't be in captivity. But sure. these animals didn't know anything different. Right. And they were kept in the tiniest cages. Yeah. Um it's uh and this is like something we would say at the sanctuary in Missouri at least, or maybe in just the entertainment industry, it's all a tiger or a big cat has to have is enough room to walk forward and lay down. Mm-hmm. Um so you can keep them in like a nine foot by four foot cage and that's oh, yeah. legal. Yeah. As long as they're let out like once every two or three months. Mm-hmm. As long as they're you know, and they can yeah. just pull them out do something for a few minutes, put them back in. Like, that's that's yep. the requirement. Yep. And so even though these cats were in captivity, they have a whole yard, they have a whole right. bedroom. and They had uh, other cats. Yes, they had yep. other cats around them, and they they were so happy with that. Yeah. Because a lot of people complain, oh, I go to the zoo and the animals look so depressed. Like, this is never the case at the Tiger Sanctuary. All these animals were like, this is amazing, you know, because right. they had right. never known anything different or care like that right it's a step up for them exactly exactly from their previous experiences yeah Yeah. so they're they're like basically grateful yes for for that environment yeah Yeah. and you could and you could feel it you could Mm -hmm. really sense it you know yeah Yeah. Uh, and so that was something just to not only was it like cool work to be like oh i work with tigers but you go there and it feels good you know yeah oh these cats i'm doing they they appreciate your work (laughs) yes i'm giving them a a a better life you know uh so it's rewarding too it's very very rewarding yeah yeah i think it's interesting that you you brought up the like the comparison between the big cats and and the household cats because Mm -hmm. studying like you know the domestication of different animals um you know the domestication of dogs has such a long history and we've spent so much time and energy like breeding different breeds to have different characteristics with mm-hmm. um our our ability to instead of natural selection we're we're doing it on purpose <laughs> to yeah. try to get a result but cat domestication like hasn't really gone very far right you know, they just sort of put up with us <laughs> yeah um in in a very different way and you know we we bred for some characteristics but not really as you know not as many as we have for for dogs especially when it comes to like personality and how yeah. trainable they are and things like that are really things that we bred into them mm-hmm. um you know and and obviously part of the reason that that's easier i think for dogs is because they are very much pack-minded and very social so they they want to put up with whatever ridiculousness you'd like to train them in right <laughs> because they recognize that that's part of you know part of being in that pack whereas cats are a little bit less social um mm-hmm. so they're not as 
not as interested in putting up with your ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they yeah. say cats are like the closest of all the domesticated animals to their natural. Yep. Yeah, uh, they haven't gone behavior. through as much selection because yeah. they didn't need to. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's really interesting. So now you're you're working at the Kansas City Zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, what's what's like that comparison be, been? Do you feel like your other experiences have prepared you really well for that, or was that still a pretty big transition for you? Yeah, um, it was. It was still a big transition because. At the Tiger Sanctuary, it was easy. I volunteered. I got the internship, you know, and all I had to do volunteer was um, fill out some paperwork. Sure. I showed up consistently, and they were like, "Wow, you showed up consistently." This, a lot of <laughs> people were like, "Gold this. star." <laughs> yes, they were like, "Thank you," and I'm like, "Really? Come for like six hours a weekend, you know, three right. hours a day." Yeah. Right. And, um, and they're like, "Hey, you want a free T-shirt? You want, you know, right. oh, free tour? Like, right. they're just handing stuff out and very appreciative." But the zoo. I had, you know, all like a full year of tiger experience mm. and uh, the zoo. I, I applied for 10 positions mm. and I was rejected for nine of them. Whew. Even two of them I got rejected after I was already hired. <laughs> I got, yeah, I got an email. I got emails <laughs> at like, work. like, yeah, we don't want you. You were like, ah, sorry, yeah, suckers. <laughs> yeah, no, I got emails at work. I was like, you could have told me in person. I'm like, I'm here. But I'm yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. The zoo... It, it was tough. It was tough to get a job there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got hired, thankfully. But what did, th- what did you end up doing? Like, what was that position they took you in? I took a position at the... So the Kansas City Zoo was split up into different teams. Sure. I took a position on the Tropics team, mm. um, which is a large combination of birds and primates. Sure. Um, and a few extra Right, tropical type animals. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is interesting because I have minimal experience with primates and right. little to no experience with birds right and i have extreme experience with big cats but none of the teams with big cats took me right. so that was a that was tough yeah to be to come onto the team and be like okay you're gonna be on working with birds mm. for the first four months here yeah I, here's a parrot here's a macaw here's yeah <laughs> and when i had you know done been with tigers and lions yeah for a year right um that was a little bit tough but it was also i had to understand okay this is expanding my resume and also it's a new facility they don't know me they mm-hmm. knew me at the tiger sanctuary sure from volunteering at first mm-hmm. um they don't know me here they i gotta i guess prove myself work my way up yeah so that was a little bit of a that was a shock um but and it's quite different mm. it is quite different um, you know, the Tiger Sanctuary is, is a non, I guess they're both nonprofits, but the Tiger Sanctuary is very much, it's not this big accredited organization. Right. Um, there's not as much bureaucracy. Yeah. There's not a CEO. Right. Uh, it's, you know, I came in as an intern and I'm working right alongside the managers and sure the people in charge. Um, yeah. we're all there together. Right. But at the zoo, you know, it's, it's a huge organization. There's teams of people and levels of different hierarchies people mm-hmm. report to and lots of paperwork uh, yeah lots and lots of paperwork and um yeah it's just uh it's just different it was different yeah what's uh what are some of your favorite animals now that you're in the tropics and getting used to yeah <laughs> used to that um i like uh we've got cotton top tamarinds which are like really small primates. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got like big gray 
hair like Albert Einstein, Mark Twain looking. <laughs> they do. Hairdos, yeah. And um, they're really they're fun. They're fun to watch, and they're yeah. really cute. And they'll like I can give them. They'll take worms out of my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, they're pretty cool. I like them a lot. Yeah. Um, I work with Gibbons too, mm. um, and they're cool to watch. They're interesting. Um, yeah. They're not particularly nice. No. Um, but they're super smart. Yeah. They can recognize you outside of your zoo clothes. Yeah. You know, a lot of animals see, like, oh. Right. They get used that's to the, the pattern shirt. recognition yeah. of, like, yeah. But the Gibbons, like, you, I've been there on my day they're off. like, that's and, Adam. Yeah, yes. Yep. <laughs> and so that's just, that's crazy to me. Like, wow. They know. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not, you know, I work with birds. I'm not the biggest bird fan. Uh, uh, fair enough. Um, but the Kansas City Zoo is a huge bird zoo. They have so mm-hmm. many birds. Um, and so I think lots of bird people love this zoo. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I take care of them. I do what I got to do, but right. they're not they're not, not necessarily yeah. my favorite. It's funny, like, I like I had parakeets and I had a cockatiel. And even now, like, looking back, I'm like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing they used to do, do that was really funny is that we had, um, I had the closet in my bedroom like took up basically an entire wall um and we had glass full length glass doors mm-hmm. that covered like the with the doors to the closet like pocket doors and so you'd you know you'd like not close the door all the way because you're going in and out of your closet all the time so the birds would walk up to because they were out of their cages a lot they would walk up to the mirror start talking to it and then walk you know like walk to to the to the track where the the pocket door slid into and look behind the mirror and then go back, you know, because yeah. they couldn't, you know, they've got like the brains of like a two year old or whatever. Yeah. Like, so they can't, they couldn't figure out like what the heck was happening. Like there was another bird and another room, mm-hmm. but then when they looked behind the mirror, there wasn't anything. No birds. <laughs> so <laughs> just, I, I kind of felt bad for them, but, like, they were having, like, an existential crisis. Yeah, <laughs> they were, they were like, figuring it out. <laughs> what is wrong with my universe? Yeah. It's, like, pocket dimension that's completely flat. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, yep, that was that was the most enjoyment I ever got out of a bird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what are some of the an- other animals that maybe you'd like to work with that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Like, what are some of your favorite animals or animals you think are really cool? Oh man! I mean, honestly, any working with any animal, any new animal, at any sure. point is is building your great. repertoire. Yes, exactly. I mean, I love working with big cats; they're super interesting. Mm. Um, but to work with like your bigger herbivores, like mm. elephants, rhinos, hippos, yeah, I think would be the coolest thing. I love primates too. I've never sure. got to work with a gorilla or orangutan or chimpanzee. It would be crazy. I mean, they're a little they. Chimpanzees might, it, I would be kind of nervous, mm-hmm. um, but just to be around them, like, I love watching them, I think they're so yeah. cool, you know what I mean? Um, but really anything, you know, anything to work with one time would sure. would be great, just to be like, yeah, I've, I fed that animal, I touched an animal that liked sure. that, or, you know, I gave them this cool enrichment or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, like, especially with my perspective, like, I know a lot about primates. Yeah. Because of the research that I did into into SIV. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, and because we, my PI, so the professional in charge of our lab, or the doctor in charge of our lab, she started out, like, just basically doing evolutionary um, history of, of primates, of different traits of primates and stuff. 
before she got into like the HIV SIV side of things. So her background was really, really very much in like everything about primates um, and especially the phylogenetic tree. So how they were all related to each other. Um, and I can remember uh, one of my favorite animals is a slow loris. Yeah. Um, mostly because of their hands. They're crazy. <laughs> they're, they're really, they're really fluffy and fuzzy and they're adorable and they're nocturnal. So they have huge eyes, mm -hmm. but they have like, they have like these tiny human hands, you know, with, with um, opposable thumbs and you can like feed them grapes and stuff and they'll like grab the grape and like roll themselves up into like a protected ball to eat a grape. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just so, they're so cute. And so I had like, I have a, I still have it. It's in my office. I have a magnet of a slow loris that I like put up on my desk in the lab and the PI walks by one day and she's just like, that's a persimian. It's not a primate. Oh. <laughs> So it wasn't it wasn't a great ape, and we did great apes only. Oh, I so see. <laughs> you know we only well we only did apes, um, not monkeys, not persimians, yeah. not anything else. So I got a little I got a little shamed. Um, That's all right. You gotta, shamed for yeah. that. But I was just like, <laughs> but, representation. but it is like it is a primate. It's part of that family. Yeah. it's just not part of that like subfamily or whatever the heck. Um, and they don't have apes tails, right? So they look like apes, a right? Lot. Tiny apes, right? Yeah, they're <laughs> South American, and they don't share any like direct relationship to the African apes well. or orangutans, <laughs> but. Eh. It is what it Details. is. But like, yeah, of the, of the, as we say in the anthropology community, of the hominids, um, which are all the like direct ancestors of, of humans, um, gorillas are definitely my favorites. Oh, they're yeah. so cool. They're so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There I are really certain mean. animals when I visit a zoo, I'm like, I gotta see them. Yeah. Gorillas are always on the list. Gor gorillas are definitely part of the list. I guess because like... Like chimpanzees, chimpanzees for me are just way too much like humans. They're, they're just creepy sometimes. There's a lot of social drama with chimpanzees. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm watching some sort of reality TV show sometimes <laughs> when I watch chimps. I'm like, uh. yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's the violence because I, I mean, all apes are strong and can be sure. violent, but it's sure. different. It's different with chimpanzees. Yeah, I mean, like chimpanzees actively hunt other primates. Mm -hmm. For meat. And, and can cannibalize. Yep. Which is... Yep. They're, I don't know if gorillas and orangutans do that, you know? They, so. no, they pretty much... I mean, I guess they would eat some meat if you gave it to them, but they yeah, pretty but, much just eat... They're mostly herbivores. Yeah. So, you know, they will they will attack and kill stuff and mm. eat, but they mostly they can subsist quite happily on lettuce. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> whatever the jungle equivalent um, of that are. So yeah, I don't know. I feel I feel like chimpanzees have more more squabbles, mm -hmm. but maybe it's just because like when gorilla like when gorilla males go at it, it's much more impressive yeah. than like chimpanzee males. Yeah, you're just like you're throwing a little fit is what this looks like. So, yeah, which is their body size. But yeah, although baboons I think are my least favorite. Like really? Yeah. Baboons are like psycho. Yeah, I can, I can so, see that. They're pretty yeah. aggressive. I'm like, no, we don't want to. They're, they're a code red animal. Mm -hmm. If they get out, that's a code red. Yeah. Even the baboons. Yeah. No, they're, you do you do not want to be around an upset baboon yeah. of any description for yeah. any reason. <laughs> yeah, so that makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's not quite as bad, but it's almost as bad as 
like an angry hippo, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Order of magnitude, if you took body size into account, was probably about the same. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely, definitely not a fan. Not a fan of those. That's all right. But, you know, that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But I still, I still like my insects. I've been, I've enjoyed being in Missouri um, and all the different kinds of spiders that you have. Yeah, crazy spiders. Lots of spiders, lots of spiders. I like that there's like these little jumping spiders that are like, the adults are like black and white. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it looks like they have blue eyes. Yeah. They don't. I like looked it up online. It's some sort of reflection of something else. I don't remember. But I they they look really pretty. And mm. so I like, I like catching those and. I'm a big, like, I'm a big, when I catch insects, I try to let them go outside. That's, yeah. like, one of my rules. Because um, I still like the exoskeletons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try my best. That. I try my best, but I'm not perfect about it every no, time. No, <laughs> I not I mean, every time's a stretch. And, yeah. if, and if they have wings, pretty much all bets go out the window. Because yeah. it's just so much harder to catch yeah. <laughs> something that flies. You know, jumping spiders are not easy to catch, but they're still easier yeah. than anything that can actually just, yeah. like, fly away. Hey, but no, nobody's a bad person for killing a... An insect or arachnid in your home. Yeah, you know, there's, no, you gotta, there's no moral high ground. You gotta there. protect. Yeah. You gotta protect your territory. Yeah, you so, gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> that's, uh, that's fine. Um, so yeah, I definitely think um, one of the things that we want to try to like kind of wrap up with is that you you have made some like interesting animal fact sheets. Yeah. Um, that uh, that you've made me read before, and that I've asked <laughs> to read before. Yeah. They're terribly entertaining. How did how, like Describe kind of like what this is and how did it get started for you? Yeah, okay. Um, so I guess to throw back to, you know, things we, some of the animal media we consumed mm. growing up. Sure. Uh, did you ever have zoo books? Yes. Yeah. I had tons of them. Yeah, like I had tons of zoo books too. I think I still have one. Uh, I think I still have one mm. back at my mom's house. But is it, a, is it on a big cat? Because it's no. not. It's oh. not. Sadness. Yeah, it's actually, like the giraffe episode or something. Giraffe yeah, it's something, something random. But, so, you know, they just, I don't know. I made my very first one of these in high school. And it was just like a spur of the moment theater class. Let me just draw this cheesy zoo book looking page and make my friends laugh. There you go. Um, and I did. And I made like one of the funniest people in the program, like, die laughing. With Excellent. That. And I was like, Excellent. all right, this is something special, you know? Right. Um. And so I was just, I was in, uh, <laughs> I was in the library one day, didn't have anything to do, and I said, oh, I'm just gonna, I finished my homework, I was, I'm just gonna recreate that, but this time, like, fancier, not, you know, on notebook paper. Yeah, let me make it on the computer and have fun <laughs> with it, and so I did, and at that point, I had taken biology classes, mm-hmm. and so I had all these terms Sure. A lot more, like, scientific stuff. Because, like, the first one There's I made... There's a bunch of Latin and Greek you could throw in there. <laughs> yeah, the first one I made was just, like, fun facts that were ridiculous. But this, now I could put in, like, terms that my biology friends would be like, that's not what that means, right, and, you know, that they would right. understand and laugh at. Um, and I just, I did it for fun, and I put it up in the SI space, mm-hmm. and the first one, it was a hit. Yep. So I said, let's make more, and so I did. <laughs> I honestly feel like the first time I got asked to read it at like some like social like end of the semester sort of like yeah, celebration social that. event, and I got asked to read it by 
um, a, like a Spanish major and a French major, and I think they wanted to see because I claimed to be you know this biologist. I think they wanted to see if I could pronounce all the <laughs> all the Greek and Latin, <laughs> and those were honestly the easiest parts of it. And the rest of it, I was like, <laughs> um, so. But uh, would you would you give us a rendition? And I'm gonna try really hard not to laugh. Yeah. But that's probably not gonna happen. Yeah. And if I laugh hard enough, I'll probably also sound like I'm in pain. Yeah. But you know, that's fine. That's all right. It'll make for interesting listening. Yes, I, I have the stack here. Okay. That I recovered. Okay. Uh, these. Do you have a favorite, or do you want me to pick? Oh, I was gonna read the very first one I made. Go for it. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I was Go gonna for it. do this that. This is like one. reading this into the annals of history. Yeah, because this is the same animal I did like the very, very first one back in high school. This is the okay. same animal I used, okay. and I still have. I don't have the original, but I have a copy of that one ah, still somewhere. Very uh, nice. So, uh, this is the fun fact. Did you know animal sheet about anteaters? Mm. And I'll go ahead and read the, their description. So, scrounging through the jungles of Central, South, and both of the Americas, with at least four legs, anteaters, scientific name Nikos Oropesa, are by no means a misnomer. Believed to be close cousins of kangaroos and descendants of Archaea, anteaters use the disaccharide and chiral bonds found on their elongated snout and tongue to pluck and devour termites from their vast territories, hence the name anteater. They are a part of the oxidative phosphorylation genome among mammals, and scientists have also discovered that anteaters can, and they also are, as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, these beautiful critters are endangered due to poaching and deforestation, with only approximately 4 billion left in Panama alone. Still, efforts are being made to save these illustrious polysaccharides, with Kansas City Mayor Reverend Titus Amante planning to open an anteater sanctuary on the city's historic plaza district. And there are some additional fun facts here. Such as, did you know, the common anteater, on average, consumes enough ants each day to fill up the sun 12 times. <laughs> did you also know, an anteater, when threatened, can stand at a height of 27.3 feet tall. That's nearly 1.8 meters. And did you know, the word anteater is spelled the same way backwards as it is forward. It's a homonym. Very nice. And yes, and then of course on this sheet there are pictures of anteaters with, you know, a luscious forest background. Yeah, except one of those I think is a tapir. It is, yeah, one of them <laughs> is a Malayan tapir. But that was to test the other students who saw it. A lot of people read this and didn't notice that the last picture was not an anteater at all. Oh, jeez. I mean, obviously there's a lot wrong with that, but I think my yeah. favorite two jokes are basically the earth science joke and the failure to convert into metric joke. Yeah, well... <laughs> So that says more about me than anything else. I will say there were a lot of people that read these and didn't say anything like, oh, haha, that was funny. It said things like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, that's no that's oh. no shot at them. But I'm just, you know, this, this is one of those things. You present it in a certain way and uh -huh. people will oh, take yeah. it as it is. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, why, uh, that's why we're so worried about, you know, analyzing, you know, getting people to be able to analyze sources mm -hmm. because... Yeah, you, I mean, obviously you have to know a little bit about biology to catch all the, you know, the terminology issues, mm. but, you know, if you knew something about the metric system or about earth science, you'd uh, figure some things out as well. Yeah. So. Or if you, knew what a if you knew what a tapir looked like. Right. So, yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think I had to read the the North Pacific octopus. The Pacific Northwest tree octopus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was that was my first uh, first exposure to these, um, yeah. and I've read many more since then. But <laughs> that was that was a rough that was a rough moment just being handed that sheet and the be and the the two SI leaders just being like, read this. Mm. Just like, <laughs> uh, what the heck is this? Yeah. So. That's lots of that's lots of fun. Um, so we just want to wrap off with like any any kind of you know final thoughts for perspectives of people who are going to zoos, who are going mm-hmm. to animal sanctuaries. Yeah. Um, that you know you think are important, um, and also kind of along those lines too. Any um, animal related causes or things that you're really passionate about that you want people to to think about or to become active with. Yeah, definitely. So something I like to remind people is um zoos are not a lot you know there's a there's discourse that's like oh zoos are bad Mm. and that i've worked inside of a zoo now and i've worked inside of a sanctuary for animals and i can say that for the amount of time that's demanded of zookeepers and the low wages Mm. and just the stress yeah anyone who is a zookeeper like it cares extremely about the animals in their care. Those animals are well taken care of. At a large accredited facility, those animals are well taken care of. There are requirements Mm -hmm. on enrichment, stimulation for the animals. Like sometimes it may look like they're not the most active or lively, but if you're going to a large accredited facility, those animals are well taken care of and there are policies in place that ensure that happens. And so I think the discourse around like, oh, zoos are bad, you shouldn't support zoos is, uh, I think that when people say that it comes like the, in- the right intention is there, but perhaps they don't really know exact fully what they're saying when you say that. Yeah. Um, so supporting a zoo and a lot of zoos have conservation efforts that they support too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so supporting a zoo is not a bad thing to do. Um, your sanctuaries even better, you know, mm-hmm. like at the tiger sanctuary, that's incredible. Those animals are being saved. They can't go back in the wild. They right. don't know how to survive there. Um, and they're, they look extremely happy, you know. Right. They've come from terrible situations, and they're like, they love where they're at now. Mm-hmm. And it's visible. Um, you, can, you can really see it. And so that, that's another great place to support. So supporting your zoos is not bad. Supporting your sanctuaries is even better. Right. Um, and observing animals in the wild is the best thing that you can do. And being conscious about uh, how your actions affect the environment around you. Mm. Um, and, you know, ethical consumption of everything, of products and food. And it's not, this isn't a be vegetarian, only buy ethical stuff, but just be, be conscious about it. Make small right. efforts. If we all make small efforts, things can be better. It's not on the individual consumer, though. It's definitely on other factors but if we you know if you're just conscious about that and think about where your money's going um that's that's something too and i guess lastly just to cover this too it's hard to tell sometimes when a small facility is ethical Mm. it can be difficult because at least here in missouri um, there are no legal parameters on what a facility has to do to call themselves a sanctuary Mm. any place call themselves a sanctuary um so just do your research Maybe visit a place, see what it's like. Usually you can tell if animals are being well taken care of or not. Um, and just 
if they're letting you hold uh, exotic animals, usually not a good sign. Now, if they're letting you hold snakes or... Right. Yeah, you know, small animals that you could hold somewhere right. else, that's different. But if they're letting you hold tiger cubs mm-hmm. um, or primates, if they're letting you hold any primates at all, mm-hmm. bad, bad idea, not, not good. So um, places where, you know, people aren't touching the animals, mm-hmm. the animals are, you know, have enough space and stuff. Like, just, just be mindful about what you're supporting. And lastly, Tiger King, that's a bad place. Mm-hmm. That is not, I want people to know, like while it was entertaining and it's a fun character to watch that's not the place to support and those kind of people are the perfect examples of what not to support anyone saying free this man or uh i want to go visit that facility or the people in the documentary like going to no that is not the kind of place right it's it's irresponsible and i mean it's it's shown in the documentary there's abuse you know Mm -hmm. so i guess that would be the final messages I would like to leave people with, you know. Uh, I'd like a follow-up follow related to, to one of those points. Like, mm-hmm. you talked about um, holding primates or, or cubs. What are what are the dangers so people know? Like, why is that a bad thing? That's a bad thing because just how the how that operation works, it's bad for... Um, it's, it's bad for the animals all around. So especially for holding tiger cubs or lion cubs they have to be taken from their mother mm-hmm. when they do that, like really young, mm-hmm. and they're only legally allowed to be held until they're about three months old. Mm-hmm. And once they're about three months old, they can't be legally held, they're no longer making a profit for that facility. Right. So a lot of times those animals will just be shipped out, mm-hmm. sometimes euthanized, you yeah. know, because I worked, with, I worked with two tigers that came from mm-hmm. facilities like that. They were the only... Uh, ones of their litter to survive mm. um, and be and it's just it's terrible it's a terrible thing like I know and I'm not I'm not saying this if you've done it it doesn't make you a bad person right um, but just be aware that that's not good yeah. for them uh, so most of the time people are doing that just for profit and the animals are discarded once it's not legal and then also um, with primates and, and cat cubs they're susceptible to disease. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, primates at any age, and especially cats when they're really young. You know, COVID can be transported to both of these, to primates and cats. Sure. Um, and so when you're holding them and they're being passed around to maybe hundreds of people a day, yeah, that's another thing. Some of them don't even survive. A large yeah. majority, There's, I think it, the statistics they told us at the Tiger Sanctuary were 90% of tiger cubs mm-hmm. who are handled. It's called like cub handling. Sure. Um, they don't make it. Yeah. Not even from the, okay, we're going to ship you out or euthanize you when you're not profitable. It's from disease. It's from, mm-hmm. because they're also, as babies, need hours and hours of sleep. Sometimes up to 20 hours of sleep a day. Yeah. They're not getting that when they're being passed around. Right. It's stressful. It's, it leads to growth problems. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's, it's a bad, bad thing. It shouldn't happen. Um, so if you see a facility doing that, that is not the one to support. If you have done it, doesn't make you a bad person. Now you know. Right, and that and that is exactly why I wanted you to elaborate on that, um, yeah. so that people understood like what are the consequences of, of being held. Um, and I just want to say a couple things on my side. I mean, obviously, having chunks of gorilla and chimpanzee and stuff in a freezer is was literally a throwback 
to a time period when there wasn't as much regulation mm -hmm. around what was happening in labs. Um, and I've heard lots of stories from my professors and stuff of experimentation that they've done in animals that, you know, would not fly today. Yeah. Um, and so I'm really appreciative of everybody who stepped up for that. But I also think that, I think that it's important to kind of weigh the costs and the benefits of that kind of work because we wouldn't be where we are right now without that work. Right. Um, you know, so, and, and there will be future advances that, you know, that need that work as well, that need to work with live, with live animals as test models to see how it might work with humans before we expose humans to things. And there's still, you know, lab rats are still being used to test carcinogens and all kinds of things that we want to know what the effect is um, on people. And we, we need that data to be able to live in a world that's safe, not only for ourselves but for other animals as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but I would encourage everybody. One of the causes I really care about right now is saving the bees. Yeah. Um, speaking of carcinogens in the environment um, and, and things that kill, that kill, um, kill animals you know the more the more pollutants and the more toxins we have out there that are designed to kill one species those are not species specific they're going to kill lots of other species and they're going to accumulate in the food chain so um you know obviously kind of like you were talking about about food choices i think you know supporting when you can organic choices especially for raw fruits and vegetables that you're going to eat looking at you um mm -hmm. it's a little better for you it's better for the environment and you know, really thinking about what pesticides we're using mm -hmm. um, because it is a pesticide that is killing off the bees right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. That was not a happy note to end on, but, no, that's you know. All right. That's all right. We get serious. <laughs> we like, we're like, fun, 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 lots of fun. Um, yes, try to be, try to be nice to animals. Be better, yeah. <laughs> try to, you know, try to support organizations yeah. that, that have them in their best interest. Yeah, and it's not to put ourselves on a pedestal. We got to do the same thing, so. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, so. Well, it was really awesome talking to you. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank you so much for having me. I was really glad we could do this. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to capture, capture all the interesting, interesting people kind of just in, in my life. It's. It's really funny how, you know, much we, like, like, when we think about, like, interviewing somebody, we think they have to be some sort of, like, you know, amazing um, rock star. Not that you aren't, um, but, but, like, you know, everybody, everybody around you has incredible experiences and has learned really interesting things. And so I'm looking forward to interviewing more, um, as my listeners will feel, random people uh, about their experiences. So thank yeah. you. For being, my, for being my first. Excellent. So there you go. Sounds great. All right. Awesome. Thank you all for listening.